Welcome to the iSmart Podcast Show with Tom Rogers, founder and CEO of iSmart Networks. We help connect entrepreneurs with key partnerships to build financial freedom. The average millionaire has seven streams of income, and our guests reveal how they created multiple streams in their businesses. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around for the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you could be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily transformational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hey, thanks for joining iSmart Podcast. On the show today, we have Ray McKenzie. He is the founder and CEO of Starting Point, uh, starting in 2019. He's also the founder and managing director of Red Beach Advisors, started in 2015. Uh, he has had three previous startup company exits and is a two-time founder. So, uh, Ray, thank you so much for being on the show today. All right, definitely. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Yeah, dude. So, you know, you've done a lot of things in your career. Uh, we were talking previously, right before we started that, uh, you know, you had, you were managing about 500 employees. So I kind of want to go into a bit of your founder story there, but where did you originally, where would you grow up? Gosh, I grew up in Atwater, California, which is a, a small town in kind of the central Valley, um, off highway 99, kind of north of, in between Fresno and Stockton, California. Wow. So that was kind of yeah. like in the hood a little bit. <laughs> I think um, more so agricultural town, kind of it's a small town. My parents were Air Force okay. um, and there was an Air Force base there that closed during the base closures of the 80s. Um, and that's how I ended up growing up there, living there and kind of going to school in San Diego after that. So awesome. it was. Um... Oh, we lost you there for a second. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. That was sorry. I was must have been a glitch for for Zoom. That's fine. Um, sweet. So I uh, so essentially, you know, your were your parents entrepreneurs? No, they weren't. Um, you know, my dad uh, retired in the Air Force. Um, he spent twenty six years in the military in the United States Air Force. My mom did eight um, years in the Air Force, but then she became a cancer nurse, and so she's a registered nurse. And then my dad, after retirement, he became a postmaster in Merced, California. And wow. so, um, you know, just in terms of uh, a middle-class family, yeah. um, stable household with stable careers, and they weren't entrepreneurs, you know, for some reason, I always was the entrepreneur. Um, and that's, that came out of, uh, I want to say, always having the, I always had what I needed mm. in my life, you know, but yeah. in terms of having what you want, you have to go a little bit above and beyond to do that. Right. And so my idea was always to work. And so I've worked since I was 14. I started out delivering newspapers um, until a dog chased me. And then <laughs> that was the end of that. Right. And then, you know, I worked at McDonald's as my first, my, my second job when I was 16 and did that for like four months and then went over to Taco Bell for several different months. And, and so, it, and that, that was probably one of the most enjoyable jobs because I was working with a ton of my friends from high school. Yeah. And so you know, that it's always one of those things to always work and always try to find ideas and concepts and, and try to figure out, you know, what would make money or, or kind of what would spark that idea that would give me the opportunity to have the things that I wanted in life. 
Yeah. Were you always kind of like the idea man when those, when you're in those positions too, like trying to create, you know, new burritos and new inventive ways to do this and that and the other? <laughs> you like, you like, you like one up the Crunchwrap Supreme before the Crunchwrap Supreme. I'll, was I'll, put it, <laughs> I'll put it like this. It was, I was always that one person who would try to find more efficient ways to do things. Okay. Which is, hey, we need to structure it to do this. If we do it this way, this will be easier for us. Yeah. Because the whole job, I, I'd say, gosh, when the minimum wage at the time was $4.25. And so if that's minimum wage at that time, I'm trying to do the least amount possible for that $4.25. <laughs> Typical okay. entrepreneur. And so that, that was it. Always trying to find the loopholes. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do more with less. You know, yeah, so. I love it. Okay, so Ray, so, so, you know, you had that kind of standard, you know, employee thing. I did very similar in the beginning. I didn't, I didn't really, you know, start any business. I just had jobs and I went from job to job, you know, in the beginning and just didn't seem I could really, you know, uh, expand or grow at the rate that I wanted to. So you moved to San Diego uh, and did you go to school here or what did you do in San Diego once you moved here? Yeah, I went to school in San Diego State. Sweet. So I'm an Aztec and I studied uh, management information systems. Very nice. And so... You graduated um, there, or do you do any start starting business courses there at all? Yeah, yeah. Studied management information systems. Finished school there in two thousand one. Um, while I was in school, um, I actually had my first internship at the San Diego Transit Authority downtown. Nice. So I was actually in their IT department. I was an IT analyst with them during my junior year in college, and so that's kind of when I started to get my hands really on next level technology that businesses were using and companies were using to execute actions. And so that started kind of, I always knew I wanted to be involved in computers because that came easy to me. You mm-hmm. know, my first computer was a Commodore 64 um, and I always used to play it. And then after that, I just had a knack for it. And so well, I went to college and I was like, well, I might as well just study management information systems, which is the business application of computers. And mm-hmm. so that came easy to me because I was like, oh, I just want to go to school. I might as well take what's easy. And then yeah. I was able to get the opportunity with the San Diego Transit Authority and their IT department for an internship. And once that happened, that kind of sparked the idea in terms of having a career focused around technology. So was that when you were at this position where you were leading a group of like 500 um, full-time employees? No, no, no. That came for, that came for a little further on. So, um, you know, in college finished school. We, I, my wife and I, we moved to the Bay Area um, and joined a, an early stage startup that was an actual a Michael Milken company. Cool. Um, and then I was there for another 12 months um, and then decided to take an opportunity with a biotech company. Um, and that biotech company had raised like $150 million at the time. And I was really young. I was 22. And I was like, oh, wow, this is great. This is going to be, you know, the rocket ship. The startup vibes. This is going to be it. And next thing you know, that crashed and burned. They burned through $150 million and didn't find anything. Wow. And and so then that was kind of my first foray into startup failure with those companies, you know, but I was kind of in the IT department. I wasn't an executive of any sort. Um, And then I got an opportunity with a company named UltraDNS in early 2000s, 2002, late 2002. And, um, really an early stage employee. It was a company that had, say, we had under 20 people at the time. Um, We had a managed DNS service. It was internet infrastructure, cybersecurity company. And over the course of the next four years, the business turned from being in the red to being in the black. Um, We had immense success as kind of a younger executive team. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're all still good friends today. 
Uh, and really the thing was that was kind of your real life business course, which is we're in the fight every day, wake up, trying to build a business, trying to have success, have success with customers. We don't have a lot of money, so we have to do more with less um, and have a great amount of success with it. You know, we took the company over the next four years to um, being in the red, to be in the black, to acquisition in 06. So this was one of those companies that you you started, uh, you helped in the startup and then it became an exit. Did you already, did you have equity share in that company as well? Yes, I did. Cool. Yes, I did. So that's that's kind of the first foray into an actual successful startup. You know, you gotta learn the ropes. Like, hey, what does that look you learn, like? You learn the ropes. Yeah. Hey, I, I had equity in the other two companies, but they didn't turn out to be anything. And then now you actually have an example of a company that actually turns out to where your equity actually yields an actual check at the yeah. end of it. So any any, so, uh, any advice on that as far as the three um, different equity um you know, uh, acquiring that equity and then, and then exiting. Was it, was there anything like, like an aha moment afterwards? You're like, man, I should have done this or I should have looked into this. Um, with that, I'd say, you know, it was heads down in terms of working in the business. And so it worked itself out really well. Um, I'd say with that, for people who have jobs that are offering equity to them as compensation, Make sure you, the most, the biggest thing as part of that is make sure you believe that that equity is going to turn into something at the end of your one year, two years, four years, 10 years of being there. Right. Like believe in the company and what it's doing. If you're part of a company that um, you don't believe in, that's offering you equity as payment, it doesn't, doesn't equal anything if you don't believe in it. because you have to think this only this equity that I'm getting compensated is only worth something if an exit or happens, whether it be through acquisition or through IPO. Right. Okay. So you really have to believe in the mission and the values of the business. Yeah. The people don't back it, you know, it's not going to happen. Right. So the people don't really believe in it. They don't back it. You know, they can't complete it, you know, as a group, then yeah, the equity is worth nothing. That's really what it's about is you're getting this equity and it's in lieu of cash compensation for essentially deferred compensation in the future Mm -hmm. and success. So if you're willing to really put the work in and you believe in the company and what it's doing in the product and services and along with the people you work with, then go ahead and go that route. You know, if you're just looking for, hey, I've got equity and um I don't know, a a fruit washing machine of some sort (laughs) and you don't, you don't eat fruit or you hate fruit, then you're probably not going to believe in it too much. So I'd always make sure that if you're taking equity as compensation, always believe in the mission and values of the company. Yeah. hundred percent. So with a, with starting point, you know, you had that, you had a two time, you're a two time founder. So I'm assuming that, you know, founder, one position would be Red Beach advisors. The other would be starting point. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, okay. that's correct. Did you, did you have a, did you, do you do something similar with a starting point where you do like an equity share with your, with your uh, people? Yeah. With starting point, we have a team right now of 10. Um, and, and everybody, a, a part of that 10 is compensated in, to a certain extent through equity. It's know, really interesting. Is, so, so how is that, how's that structured as far as like uh, the, the company's 
um, you know, corporation, like legal, like kind of that, that kind of documentation. Is it like so we are, a corporation and then even when you yeah. get a share of like the one, a part of the 10,000, you know, shares, is that, is that the structure or is it something a little bit different? There's yeah, a million so ways to we, cut the pie. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of different ways to cut the pie and different owners do it in several different ways. Um, starting point is a, uh, Delaware, um, C Corp. So an official Delaware C Corp. Um, but for all employees that are part of the business, they're part of the employee option pool. And so based upon where they're coming in, um, they have a certain allotment of shares, obviously they're at a specific, a specific That's exercise true. price yeah. or strike price. Mm-hmm. And, that's kind of how they're compensated for their time, you know, and, and part of it is a lot of the people that are part of the team are people that I've worked with throughout my career in different facets or areas. And so, you know, I tell them, Hey, don't just come join. If it's a job, you know, this is the startup world is tough. You know, it's really, really, really a grind. And so, you know, it's going to change often. It's going to change. Um, it's a change for the better. Sometimes it's going to change for the worse. And, you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster. And so, you know, in, in thinking about how you're going to get compensated, make sure you believe in the business and where we plan on taking the business. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really, really good advice. Uh, with, with it, have you seen different structures as that, like uh, equity being given? Is it just given as they come on board and they get so many equity shares over a certain amount of time? Or is it that they can buy in for a certain amount of shares into the, into the company? Is it, um, what, are there two different structures there or no? So what's most familiar to me is you join a company and you receive a certain allotment of, of, of stock or equity, common, common, um, common stock. And, and over the course of time, typically the vesting period that I've seen is anywhere from three to four years, typically four years, and then with a one-year cliff, you know, which is if you make it past the first year, your, your equity then has vested and you continue to vest the month to month after that. Um, that's kind of what I'm most familiar with. Cool. Uh, that's kind of the standard that I would recommend. You may see some founders have different equity, you know, packages, which may be two years or three years in terms of an accelerated vesting schedule. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if you're an employee of a startup, you're looking at maybe four years with at least doing one year before your equity starts to vest. Super cool. Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. So I was just kind of curious. Uh, so with Red Beach Advisors, I, we didn't really touch base on that and then we can go to starting point. But what does Red Beach Advisors do and, and and how is that kind of related to the starting point? Yeah, so uh, I'd say throughout my career, and this is my corporate career. So I started, I worked 15 years within either startups or public companies um, across the world. Okay, and they were between typically between San Francisco and Washington D.C. or Northern Virginia area. And I, I spent a lot of time in a lot of different roles with companies. Um, and a lot of them were operational roles, executive roles, um, some strategic roles, and things like that. And what I did is over those 15 years, I've, I've obviously got a lot of knowledge and, and skills and, and tools and relationships. And then I, I, you know, I took an opportunity, relocated us to Los Angeles. Um, fantastic people, fantastic company. I had ended up having an exit with them as well, successfully. Uh, and so I, I went to lunch one day um, and I kind of tell this story off and I went to lunch and, and in Los Angeles, which is a different culture from San Francisco to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And I had flown back from Europe and I went to lunch and I saw a bunch of people out about one o'clock in the afternoon, you know, having the time of their life. And I'm thinking I'm only familiar with 
office hours, you know, seven in the morning till seven at night and people are just working in the grind. But yet I come to Los Angeles and I see a bunch of people that are enjoying their time during the day. Yeah. And I'm like on a Tuesday and I'm yeah. like, what am I missing? Yeah. It's like living the dream. I'm like, what? Yeah. What am I missing? And so I actually took that lunch, had lunch and I started talking to random strangers and they were like, Hey, what do you do for a living? And I was asking them what they did for a living. And then it all came down to them starting their own companies. And so prior to this previous 15 years was all me building on this corporate track track to be kind of a CEO or an executive Mm -hmm. versus, you know, I was going that I'm 35 years old at the time. And I'm thinking, Hey, I'll just continue to work and work and work. And then I'll be the CEO. I'll be that of a company. Yeah. Next thing you know, I'm talking to these other people and they're like, Hey, you know, we just started our own company. We're successful, blah, blah, blah. It allows us to do what we want to do. So I walked away from that lunch saying I wanted to start my own company. Yeah. Once I walked away from that lunch, a week later, I had calls from two CEOs who needed help inside of their companies to do different projects. And I was like, well, I can do it. I'm still at this full-time opportunity, but I'll take these consulting jobs. That's how I fell into consulting. Nice. So Red Beach Advisors is a technology management consulting group working with companies in three pillars, the strategy, operational efficiency, and digital transformation through technology. And this that. is digital transformation back in 2015, not COVID. So we'll, but we'll get to the COVID portion. Definitely. And so then um, strategy, it's business strategy, go-to-market strategy, marketing strategies, operational efficiency is focused on lean Six Sigma and agile methodologies within companies for around product and project management. And then in terms of tech digital transformation through technology, it's working with companies to um, modify their structure in terms of cybersecurity initiatives, which is kind of a core background of mine, um, cloud computing and software as a service. And so taking those technologies and inserting them into companies to modernize them. Yeah. And so I started that in 2015 and, you know, did that, it took that route for five years or so. And so now fast forward to 2019, which is starting point. So I needed a tool or I had seen a lot of tools in the landscape of the world. Well, real quick on, on Red Beach before we go on a starting point, but uh, Red Beach. So what was the structure there? Cause it sounded like you had some good, uh, a good background on equity and like all these different things and exiting companies. Did you utilize Red Beach Advisor to be able to get equity share in a company as you were advising it and growing it? Yes, I did. Nice. So, so, so that was like a great kind of a, that was kind of like a, a revenue stream that you initially, you were developing like the long-term revenue streams that you were creating through Red Beach Advisors that actually like kind of, you know, throttled starting point. Yeah, exactly. So it was it was one of those opportunities where I found I had found a company, we were a smaller company. They needed Red Beach advisors. And they were like, hey, I talked to the CEO and he was like, we don't have a lot of cash, but we need you in the business to help head a division and come in and kind of grow the business. And I was like, OK, well, you don't have a lot of cash. How about we do cash plus equity as a consultant? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And so over the course of working with them as a client for the next year and a half, it took the business, um, I want to say their value tripled. Nice. And next, you know, they had an exit and it, it went relatively well, you know. And so that was one of those areas where you can negotiate your compensation as a consulting group if you That's believe amazing. in the company and where the company is going. Right. Yeah, of course. So, so that kind of that throttled into starting point. So you said you, you, you saw you kind of so you saw something that was a need in the market from doing this, from talking to all these different companies, working with all these different companies, you had, you know, you had a good, uh, you know, overseeing kind of landscape. You, 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 you kind of, you can kind of like be above the pyramid. You could look down 
and you'd be like, all right, you know, there's this thing that's needed to be developed that you that all these companies could utilize, and that was starting point. Could could you kind of explain what starting point is? Yeah, so I, I rewind to how I kind of came up with the concept of starting point was I'm working with a lot of early stage smaller businesses with Red Beach Advisors and very large companies as well. And the the one challenge I saw was these companies all had a lot of different tools and some of them were doing the same thing. And the one consistent theme across all of these tools within the business was they're a little too difficult to use. Yeah. Okay. And so fast forward to the, a bit of the research for starting point was I talked to about 150 different companies and I found what, what's your pain point in terms of your company as a small to medium sized company or owner. And it always came back to kind of customer service or retaining customers. And so I was like, okay, but there's tools out there that can do that. And then in talking with them, they would say, Hey, you know, the tools that we have are still too difficult for our teams to use. Um, we don't have IT resources. We don't have, you know, the time, the money, the effort to pay a consultant to come in and, you know, spend twenty, forty thousand dollars on customizing the solution for us. So then we just rely on what we've normally done, which is email or, you know, nothing. You know, right. nothing changes. And so they go through that same process. So now we'll talk about digital transformation, which is starting point is a service management and delivery platform focused on providing a simple and efficient way to provide four things, service management for companies. And that can be similar to a help desk platform or, you know, customer service platform, um, team performance management, which allows you to t- assign tasks, assign goals to your team, make sure they're meeting the standards that you want within the business around service management and delivery project management, which allows companies to, once they acquire a new customer, how to onboard them, make sure they're having success, make sure you outline and deliver on the project and services that they need. And then customer success management, which focuses on measuring how happy your customers are. You know, and we do that through a net promoter method. And so for us, it was all about, there's a lot of companies that provide the front end, the CRM side of the business, which is the leads, the sales, the opportunities, the pipeline management, the closing deals and keeping visibility there. There's not a lot of companies that there's not a lot of tools or there are no really no singular tool um, that can provide the full service lifecycle benefit of the post-sale experience, which is once you close a customer, how do you know that, hey, they're now on board, you've delivered their project, you still have visibility into all their inquiries in terms of you and your team, and making sure your team is incentivized, motivated, and responding to their inquiries and maintaining that level of customer satisfaction that you want. And then having a tool that provides you visibility into that entire service life cycle. Yeah, it's really interesting. So it kind of reminds me of like a CRM. Kind of a CRM. So the CRM does the front portion of it, which is the sales, the lead, the opportunity side of things. But CRMs don't necessarily focus on the service management side of the process. Super cool. So you just started this in 2019 and already you're a fortune 500 companies that are utilizing the platform and the service. Yeah, we, we started in 2019. We started building in 2019. Um, you know, and we've had relative success. We launched it in May of this year. Um, and, you know, we've have a lot of customers that are liking the product. And why are they liking the product is because it's built for business leaders. 
So a lot of people are not technical, surprisingly to everybody else. A lot of people are not technologists. They don't know how to use APIs. Yeah. They don't know how to code. It frustrates them. Yeah. I and mean, right they now there's have, so many platforms that make all those things irrelevant mostly, most of the time. Yeah. They, they don't have IT resources. Um, and how do you kind of implement those tools within companies if you don't have those resources? And so it's a tool that's built for business leaders that lead non-technical teams. Okay. Super cool. It, so it's like easy enough that like any CEO or any person just coming into the company can utilize the platform and be able to take care of their customers from start to finish, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it makes it be really deployed. easy. You can yeah, hire a guy off of like Upwork or something like that to be able to manage. <laughs> right? Upwork, Upwork is Upwork has a lot uh, is a good platform and has some skilled people obviously on it, but our platform allows you to deploy it within one hour. Awesome. Um, and you don't need code or IT resources to use it within your company immediately. So our our goal was to drive immediate value for these teams and companies. I love it. Uh, so how how is how what other different ways you've been able to create revenue within the starting point? Is it like a subscription model or is it just like a one-time kind of fee on a yearly basis or how's it work? No, it's a subscription model. So monthly recurring revenue model, but we charge a, a standard license fee for okay. the platform. So each month it's a flat fee for the platform and all that comes with it. So it's unlimited, unlimited uh, users and admin users, unlimited team members, unlimited customers, cool. and unlimited file storage as well. And so within the platform, why when we were talking to business leaders was they wanted to know what their cost was for the platform. Their thing was, if you're talking to business leaders, they're like, okay, we need this tool. How do we budget for this? And how do we plan for this? And so we went with the licensing model instead of your standard user or usage type of measurements at the time, because it gave our, our buyers the insight into what they're going to spend. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is what I'm going to spend. I know I need to budget for this. And it made the purchasing process that much easier. Super easy. Uh, do, do you feel like right now it's a little ridiculous that companies are charging by user base? Like, because how it doesn't cost you anymore to have one more user on your platform, right? Like, I mean, data storage right now is not so expensive as it used to be back in the 2000s, right? Like, it's really not that expensive to have terabytes of data and information. So do you find that it's a little weird to have kind of a per user, like, let's, let's say, oh. um, you know, uh, you know, it's standard, a standard company like Zapier, you know, Zapier, I know if other companies are similar to Zapier, and they don't charge like for how many tasks that are utilized within the platform. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it just depends on each business is different. Yeah. So understanding that without looking under the hood of the car, yeah. you don't necessarily know what their unit economics are. So they, they're all looking, thinking, hey, this is what we can make if we charge this, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and it depends on their user. You know, if, you, if, if, if you've got a, an environment that fluctuates often in terms of a platform or users that are using or need to use it across teams, your unit economics may dictate, I need to follow this standard SaaS pricing yeah. of users per month, per usage or whatever it may be. And then you have other platforms um, like ServiceNow, who they just charge a, fl- a platform fee and a module fee. 
for the license. Did you find it was just like easier for your for your clients to jump on board when you had that standard fee and it wasn't like per user base? It, it was it was always easier. Yeah. It was always easier. I, I would find the same thing too. You know, there's like this like because I my first one of my first businesses was the car wash business and everyone always loved yeah. like the unlimited car washes, which is a ridiculous statement. You can't have unlimited car washes. You do like <laughs> one or two a month berry, but you don't need unlimited. But people just like the word, you know? <laughs> So it's kind of like that, yeah. you know, like you can have as many users as you want. You're like, sweet. Like it's still going to be yeah. dollars a month, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it just, it just with starting point and what I've learned through my experience with Red Beach Advisors and then turning over into starting point was your buyer just needs to be, understand it and make it simple and easy. Yeah. And as we're building starting point, nothing within it takes more than three to four clicks to complete an action. So it's really easy to use. Our pricing is really easy to use. The functionality and deployment process is really easy. So as we continue to follow that theme, it allows us to hit a target demographic, which is ours, which is the business leader. Most of them are non-technical mm -hmm. or they may be technical, but they've got 20 other things they've got to talk about and think about on a day to day basis. And so you really want to inject tools within companies that are easy to use and simple and easy to explain, too. So when you're talking to your team, you know, you can say, hey, look, we're looking to implement this, you know, software and, and, and you can easily you can easily explain it like the, the CEO can explain it. The person that's managing the IT department or whatever can explain it right and it's not so complex and they're guys they're debating on the payment structure you know i think yeah. that really kind of like ex expedites their decision making process uh yeah, super it. cool i love it um so last thing you want to talk about is the pandemic and kind of how everything's changed i know you started you launched it in may right so you were like mm -hmm. mid pandemic <laughs> you know? yeah yeah um Very how did so. that how did that go like well how, well, how was that start you know, when we started building it, it was a immediate value tool for companies that were going to have distributed users and remote users. So that was the idea when we were building it was you need the ability to have visibility into your entire service management and delivery process from wherever you're at as a business owner. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, COVID hit. And COVID actually accelerated the use case and business case for starting point, because now you went from an environment that everybody was in one room or working together side by side. And now you have an environment to where everybody's working distributed. Everybody's working from different areas. And you as a business owner don't have any visibility into what your employees are doing on a day-to-day -day basis. So starting point actually landed in May and it actually accelerated that business case for companies, which is now I've got 10 people in my service department and they're all working from home and I have absolutely no visibility into where everything is at for all of our customers and clients. And so starting point, solve that. It's amazing. So it actually was perfect for this kind of work from home, centralized everything kind of system and easy enough that people coming on board or the CEO or anyone else can kind of log in and be able to see what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis and not feel yeah. like overwhelmed or stressed or feel I think there's also so you guys. It's not like all of the documents and everything is, is saved on the on the employee's uh, computer, right? Everything's saved online. So then there's a lot of infrastructure and, like you said, cybersecurity kind of issues when it comes to you know uh, certain privacy data, right? You don't want to just have go on your your employee's home's computer, right? As so you guys yeah. help centralize all of that and make sure that it, you know kind of almost helping companies convert from 
you know, the in-office kind of structure to in-home structure. Exactly. You completely get it, which is, you know, there's a lot of challenges when you go to and you try to squeeze digital transformation from two, three year plan to a two to three three month. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And that's really what happened. And so starting point allows companies to modernize and transform their business operations really easily. So Ray, I have to ask you, are you a time traveler? You just like went in time and you like knew that the pandemic was happening and that's how you started starting. Uh, I I wish I was. (laughs) Oh, if I was a time traveler, I probably would have tried to stop the pandemic somehow. Like, like, I would have invested in um, Tesla. <laughs> or I would have invested in Tesla, or I would have went back and got the almanac from Back to the Future, like, but this. Yeah. So I would have <laughs> bet on all the sporting events. But, Seriously. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it, the timing just worked out in terms of the business case. I'd say, you know, there was a need for it before within companies. The pandemic just accelerated that. I love it. That was really it. I love it. That's super cool. Okay. Well, so um, how how do people, how would a company start with uh starting point? I mean, I see online they just kind of you can kind of request a demo. Um, is there any kind of like uh free trials or anything like that to be able to just kind of uh, see if it if it fits for the for for people's companies? Yeah. What we'll do uh, for anybody who's interested in starting point, feel free to go to www.startingpoint.ai. Um, request a demo and reach out to us. One of our um, sales executives will then contact you um, and then we'll set up a time to walk you through and learn kind of what your challenges are for your business. And then we'll be able to kind of through your challenges, show you a demo of the product, and then we'll see if it drives value for you. You know, the key is always don't spend your cycles trialing something if it's not going to solve your challenge. So a part of our sale is a consultative approach to it as well. So Go to www.startingpoint.ai, um, contact, or go to the request a demo, uh, contact us. We'll reach out to you as soon as possible, and then we'll be able to kind of move forward through the process. Yeah, and if you're just maybe having challenges, you know, being able to transfer from a, you know, a in-office kind of workspace into an in-home kind of workspace, uh, you know, definitely, yeah, I would, I would definitely check them out and see if they can see if they can do it. So. Hey, dude, I really appreciate it, Ray. You've been fantastic. Sounds like you've had an amazing career and it's continuing to blossom and starting point. Um, so I really appreciate you being on the show and we will definitely have you on the show later on this year to see how you guys have continued to grow and, uh, and scale and uh, have a good rest of your day. All right, definitely. Thank you for having me. Um, excited to kind of see your growth as well. So thank you once again. Thanks, Thanks for listening to the iSmart Podcast Show. If you are a business owner with multiple streams of income or professional who would like to be on the daily program, please visit iSmartNetworks.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with hashtag iSmartPodcast. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? We'll promote you and your business to our media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up? In your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. While you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow. That's right. Seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a part of the iSmart Podcast.